Magna Carta Bill of Rights The Constitution, what's it worth? You know they're gonna grind us down uh, Until it really hurts Is this a sovereign nation? Or just a police state? You better look out, people, before it gets too late. I know we're supposed to start now, but it's sometimes hard to talk over that because it's just so wonderful listening to the voice of Eric Clapton, especially with the message that he sends as we say welcome to episode 59 of Stand and Deliver, Citizens for Free Speech official podcast. I am the CFFS National Communication Director, and I am with... Patrick Wood, founder and director of Citizens for Free Speech. We thank you for listening to this today, and I hope you will share it with everybody else that you know. Send out a link. We'll, eventually, we'll be on Rumble as well, but we'll be on our podcast channel. Send out the links. Tell people about Citizens for Free Speech. Make it a challenge to yourself to do that. Three people, five people, that's all it takes to expand our listenership. This information is so important, you're not going to hear about this stuff anywhere else. By and large, maybe here and there, but we pick up on issues of free speech and we nail it. So, Bob, uh, what are we going to start out with? Well, first of all, I just want to echo what you just said. You know, we, we don't do this just because, you know, we're bored. We don't get up here and just like to look at ourselves on, on, on a podcast screen because we happen to be two remarkably good-looking men. Uh, that's not the reason we do this. That's just a happenstance. It happens to be the way. We want... We want to make a difference. We want you to be a part of CFFS. We want you to be a part of saving uh, this country, quite frankly, by protecting and preserving the First Amendment, which is under attack like never before. That's mm -hmm. why we're here. So in all seriousness, that's why we want you to share this. It is it is about exactly. the, the the impact that you and we can together have. It's not about personal uh, feelings whatsoever. This got personal, though, Patrick. We're going to start out with... Mm -hmm. um, a pretty remarkable story, a really a complete clash of what some people think the First Amendment is all about and what other people know that it's all about. It happened at Stan, uh, earlier this month at Stanford University Law School. They invited a speaker in, a judge, a federal judge, federal judge uh, by the name of uh, Stuart Kyle Duncan, who came in from the Fifth Circuit to speak to the Stanford Law students. And when he got there, what he found he wasn't prepared for, the Stanford Law students, not Antifa members coming from other places, not undergrad. These were the actual law students he was there to address, protested him, interrupted him, insulted him, shouted him down, embarrassed him. And the reason why, and, and, and they did so, by the way, because they were not being checked, their discipline by the leadership. The dean of the law uh, of the uh, of the law school at the university at uh, Stanford University even participated when the judge said, "I want an administrator down here to get this under control if I'm going to speak to these these uh, young aspiring attorneys." So the dean came down and rather than uh, bringing control to the situation, joined the students in haranguing the judge, criticizing him and saying that he is. Uh, uh, as they yelled every time he tried to speak, they yelled, you're a scumbag and you're a liar. The dean came down and said, you are uh, agitating these students. And and it was all over a rule. I mean, uh, an opinion that he wrote uh, in 2020 in which he refused to use the preferred gender pronouns of one of the one of the uh, litigants in the uh, in, in the case. And that 
situation from 2020 led them to just complete barbaric behavior and they shouted him down. So I'll advance the story one, uh, one, one step here. And so what happened was, is the professor, or excuse me, the judge uh, did an interview and called for the termination of the Stanford Dean who joined the student mob in decrying him and in insulting him. Uh, he said their behavior was dog blank. Uh, and he was very, very critical, leading to an apology. And there was an apology letter, an official apology from the Stanford University Law School and the dean, in which they said, you know what, we're sorry for the way we treated you, our students treated you, this was the wrong way to go, that's not how we want our, uh, these future jurists to be, et cetera, et cetera. And Patrick, that's where the story takes an even weirder turn. <laughs> the students who did the protesting and the the insulting and the the barbaric behavior as they shouted down this learned uh, federal judge from the fifth district, they demanded that the dean be fired for apologizing to the judge that they insulted. They want they they mm -hmm. staged a protest uh, when they came back into class. The law school's dean Jenny Martinez. Um, uh, they put up signs all over the whiteboard, counter speech. And this is where it gets into us, Patrick. Counter speech is free speech, they wrote. Um, where was his apology? We wrote, they wrote, we, the students in your constitutional law class, are sorry for exercising our First Amendment rights. They seem to think that because an apology was given to uh, the, the, the judge, the guest speaker who was working on his own time to lecture these kids, um, they think that them not being able or them, the, the university apologizing for their decision to scream and shout down a speaker means their First Amendment rights are being violated. And what they don't understand, Patrick, is and they're supposed to be lawyers coming out of one of the highest rated law schools in the country. And they don't understand that by what they were doing, they were literally censoring, silencing and suppressing the free speech right of the guest who was there as an invited speaker. Um, there's more to it than that, Pat, but I'll let you pick it there up is. from there. There is. I know if I was, this is a side note, uh, no charge for this one, but, but if I was a Dean of the school, if I was, a, if, I, if I was the president of Stanford university, which would have authority over all the different things, including the law school, mm -hmm. I would go to those students and say, you obviously are in the presence of Stanford university. You're in, you're in as students here. We accepted you as students. And you obviously did not come here to learn anything. You came here for whatever reason, it doesn't matter. If you didn't come here to learn, and because you are refusing to learn, you're all expelled. I just said, don't come back. Don't come back to class. You're done. And just kick them out. Now, I know that's radical, and I'll probably take some heat on that. But listen, these students had no interest in learning anything. They thought they were, you know, they were taking on the role of God here. They thought they knew everything. They thought they were so right in whatever, in their, in their opinion, that they had the right to shout down a sitting federal judge. And I doesn't talk about his politics, so it doesn't matter. He's a sitting federal judge. He knows the law. He is an adjudicator of the law. He is going to be one of the people that they try their cases one day before, right? I mean, they could just as easily end up in his court as anywhere else. Conceivably, yeah. And they choose to display their ignorance while an invited guest to teach on constitutional law. And he came to do that. And they, 
they shattered the Constitution when they shamed him and took him out. It's cancel culture. They canceled this whole thing. And I tell you, it's just a travesty. But as a violation of free speech, these law students, and God help us if these people get into practice, actually in a legal practice one day, these law students obviously do not understand what the Constitution is. And here they are in a constitutional law class. <laughs> they have no clue. I, especially what the First Amendment is. That's the first thing that you read in the Constitution is the First Amendment. And they think they understand the First Amendment. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. Anyway, well, that's, well, you know, it's well, really a sad situation. Stanford is, has long been a bastion of, of uh, scholastic excellence. And it's fallen down. It has fallen down. They should be ashamed of themselves, honestly. The whole school. They I, I, I know they're not, agree. but they should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and Patrick, they are considered, as you say, one of the elite academic institutions in America. It's like, you know, the Ivy League of the West. I mean, that's, that's, that's the reputation they have, and especially yes. their law school as well. <laughs> but when you say that the president of the, and by the way, it was the president of the university who combined with the dean to write the letter of apology that set the students off so much. Uh, it was the president, so at least he does recognize it was wrong. But when you say he should then tell all of those students you're all expelled um, because you don't, you're not here to learn and you don't, obviously don't understand the Constitution, et cetera, et cetera, that part is true. But what they do understand is what Stanford University has taught them. Yeah. And Stanford University's legal, their professors and the deans and everybody else that are in charge of that law school have obviously impressed upon these kids, these, yeah. these well, these adults, these are grown adults. These are graduate school students, yeah. law school students. So these are 23, yeah. 24, 25 year old yeah. adults. He, they have obviously made it very, very clear to them that this is acceptable and that yeah. treating a federal judge with yeah. such contempt is acceptable. Yes. Now, there's another element to Patrick to the free speech <laughs> argument or you know, it's part of the story that we need to address as, as CFFS representatives, and that is compelled speech and the, uh, the price to pay if you don't. Now, I've talked about this many, many times when it comes to oftentimes the LGBTQ stuff, that if you don't say what they want you to say, forced speech, compelled speech, I think sometimes is more dangerous than suppressed or silent mm -hmm. speech. Yes. You will be ostracized. You will be castigated, publicly shamed for mm -hmm. what you are, and they'll try to drive you out of there. Well, according to the report, after the dean's class ended on Monday uh, after the event, the protesters, meaning the students of the class, dressed in black and wearing face masks that read counter speech is free speech, stared silently at Martinez and formed a tunnel that she had to walk through, essentially kind of a walk of shame type of thing to walk through. The protesters formed a human corridor. Um, the majority of the class, about 50 out of the 60, participated in this protest, according to two students in the class who did not. The few who did not join the protest received the same stare down as the professor as they hurried their way through the makeshift walk shame. One said they gave us weird looks if we didn't wear black. It didn't feel like the inclusive belonging atmosphere that the DEI office claims to be creating. Mm -hmm. Another one likewise declined to protest, said it was a surreal experience. It was eerie. The protesters were silent, staring from behind their masks at everyone who chose not to protest, including the dean. So the obvious 
point here is they tried to intimidate other students into going along with what mm-hmm. they wanted them to do. And if they didn't, they made it very, very clear they were not going to be welcomed. You know, and obviously law school, for those who don't know, I mean, there's a lot of group collaboration and studies that are done through mock trials and, and so forth. So that everybody kind of has to work with one another in a law class. Mm-hmm. And um, these students were basically informed you are you're going to be persona non grata for yeah. all of us going forward here. They were trying to force and compel everyone who didn't feel the same way to do it anyway or else. And that's another element we always talk about. Exactly. You know, I went to I went to university myself and I I probably didn't learn nearly as much as I should have. I did some things I probably shouldn't have done. But since then, at least I have learned that what universities are about traditionally, they should be about is about discipline. The whole idea of going to university is to sit under professors who who know stuff, right? And they're going to teach you stuff, and they do it through academic discipline. That's not I'm not saying spanking of some fly or whipping post or anything, but they do it by discipline. And students mm-hmm. are supposed to be disciplined so that they stay in the channel of their education. And what you have at Stanford is like a it would be like a parent who has an unruly two year old child who refuses to rule them in and then takes them to Walmart or to a restaurant or whatever. And all of a sudden this kid's screaming bloody murder and, you know, just cursing the parents and whatever, carrying on and ruin everybody else's experience. And they're not disciplined. What's happened here is you basically you've got a bunch of two-year-olds who have never been disciplined, including when they got to school, just the opposite. They let them do anything they wanted to do. And they didn't keep them in the channel of right. learning about the law. Now, this is what we get. This is the result we get out of it. You know, you you could look at somebody like BLM or Antifa. These are professional protesters. These are hardened, in my opinion, hardened professional protesters. They do what they do on purpose intentionally to disrupt. These kids are just acting like spoiled two-year-old kids having a temper tantrum, in my opinion. Although, Although they did organize. You know, they did organize yes. just like the others, yes, they I mean, did. you know, they, they, they had a plan yeah. there and, yep. and, you know, and, you know, Patrick, when you say discipline them, the way you discipline a student who is, you know, obviously a very high achiever to get to law school, you have to be a good student. Yes. You have to be a high achiever. Yes. Uh, what's the best way to discipline them? You know, like you said, you can't spank them like they're little kids. You do it through the, through their grades. You do it yes. through the score. Yes. Virtually every professor yes. has some yes. leeway and they may call it participation yes. or, yes. or whatever. Uh, you know, beyond your scores on your exams yes. and your papers, yep. there is a, there's some flexibility there and participation scores for each of yep. those kids who did that, who shouted scumbag at a sitting federal judge. And you're a liar while a federal judge is trying to talk. Sorry, yeah. your score just went down and down and down yep. a little bit more hit them where it hurts them, yes. which is where yes. the, what they care the most about, which is their, their <laughs> class ranking and their grades. Mm-hmm. So, yes, yes. I, I remember unruly students when I went to school and I was a young child, uh, unruly students in class got sent to the principal's office. <laughs> you didn't want to go to the principal's office. <laughs> so yeah. you, you, you told the line in class, you know, you bit your tongue if you wanted to be unruly. So, oh, it's I'm a, not going to do that again. It's just a little harder to do with adults, though, obviously. <laughs> it really is. Down. But, yeah. and, and by the way, before we move to our next topic, Patrick, um, I, I would like to read directly what the judge said yes. specifically that had them so upset in the, uh, uh, in the opinion that he wrote. I'm just going to read two quick short paragraphs. Yes. As a this is was in the Federalist, kind of recounting what happened. As a federal judge in one of the nation's most influential courts of appeals, Duncan reviewed a case brought by a sex offender whose lawsuit demanded that his court records be changed to refer to him with his new legal female name and on a motion to appeal on appeal to refer to him using female pronouns. The court denied both requests. 
In reference to the latter request, Judge Duncan explained that, quote, this is where it matters. Mm. No authority supports the proposition that we may require litigants, judges, court personnel, or anyone else to refer to gender dysphoric litigants with pronouns matching their subjective gender identity, end quote. That's what had these, these mm. little snowflake law students so angry and so set off that he actually referred to this male. And by the way, I don't buy, I don't know anything about the case, but too many of these we see uh, bi biological males who get themselves in trouble with the law, who are afraid of going to male prison, then suddenly say, you know what? I'm identifying as a female so they can get mm. into a women's prison. But regardless of that, somebody who's claiming to be a trans person uh, the judge dared to use the actual psychological uh, uh, disorder uh, that 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 is the descriptor for people like that. He dared yeah. to say gender dysphoric litigants. And that's what this person is. And mm -hmm. the judge said it and refused to use and grant the request to use the pronouns. And that's what set them off. So I just want to give a big tip of the cap to the judge for doing it right. And I want to, I'll give a slow, slight tip of the cap to the president of the university who did indeed issue the apology to the judge, made the dean sign off on that too. Uh, but to those students, honestly, yes. um, I, I feel very, very deeply concerned for the future of the criminal justice system if they are going to be the ones uh, in the, in the uh, you know, at the lawyer's tables. Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, story number two, Patrick, you're going to have to lead with this one because this guy is your problem. Oh, come on. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, where's my, I, I told you I need to put a bag over my head when I go out in public on this one. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm from Arizona, right? I, I live in the Phoenix area, but down south of us in Tucson, in Pima County in Tucson, there lives a denizen of, the, of darkness, in my opinion, our opinion in Arizona, and that is Senator Mark Kelly. Now, Mark Kelly is, um, well, he's a Democrat for one. That's, I wouldn't hold that against him necessarily. Okay. But um, he, got, <laughs> he got into, uh, into a tiff over all this bank run business that's going on. You know, with uh, Silicon Valley Bank, who went bankrupt. They're looking for a buyer now. They're looking for, Biden's looking to bail him out. All that drama, drama, drama going on. And people are drawing their money out of banks across the country, the smaller banks, the regional banks. They're drawing their money out and they're putting it in giant banks like JP Morgan Chase and so on, Citicorp and whatever, uh, because they're afraid maybe their money's not really safe in those other little banks. So, you, you know, hey, it's a, it's a you know, it's, we're in a society where, hey, isn't it your money? If it's your money in the bank, you have a right to go take it out. Well, Mark Kelly, he stood up and uh, <laughs> he makes this statement that while it's dangerous that people should draw their money out, we should, we should censor, we should censor those people that are talking about bank runs and that, that you should get your money out of the bank. And it's like, what? How could he do that? How could he say such a thing? I, it's just, it's beyond me how he did this. And everybody else is just shaking their head at this guy. You know, is the, the headline reads, Mark Kelly wants to control your social media. Of well, he wants, they to, do. he wants to control the social media, meaning the, uh, yes. he, wants the, he wants the actual social media companies yes. to control you so that you don't go and talk about maybe taking your money out. Yes. Yeah. It's like, well, okay. You know, this is how, I know this is how news spreads for a lot of people. They get more news off of social media than they do off of, well, CNN or Fox News or whatever. But, you know, when people talk about things that pertain to them, and that's social media often is very personal. 
and people do discuss very personal issues. So if somebody brings up, well, you know, I'm concerned about the bank run and blah, blah, blah in Silicon Valley, and I think my little bank here and wherever it is, New Mexico or, or uh, you know, Texas or Dallas or something, Dallas Federal Bank or something, I'm worried about my little bank. I think I'm going to go down and take out some money and I'm going to put it in another big bank and open up a new account where I think it will be safe. They don't want that speech. They don't want that talk out there. And Kelly doesn't want that talk out here. And it's not just the issue. It Hold on one minute. Sorry about that. I accidentally got a phone call. I had to take it off and I'm going to turn my phone on to silent mode. So the thing is really disturbing. More, more than just the, the issue of the bank run and all that kind of stuff, is the fact that a senator would stand up and make such a statement. Well, uh, Patrick, I had a little glitch there. I may have lost the last couple of words of what you said there. Could you repeat that last part? I said what's astounding is that it's not just about, um, it's not just about the issue. It's the fact that a sitting senator... <clears throat> would stand up and make such an outrageous statement that is an, it's just an egregious violation of free speech. Everybody that heard him knows that, and he still hasn't recanted. Even, even now, that's like, well, man, that's the way yeah. it needs to be. Wow. This is, you know, and this is the guy that's making decisions and policies for our nation. And, you know, it's like the Stanford students. Is that, do we want to turn these people loose in society? Well, here's one guy. <laughs> here's one guy that sort of may typify what we're what we're in for if all these other people get in too. This is such a violation of free speech, it's not even funny. And he did it openly, blazingly, uh, brazenly, and punitively for everybody else who would dare to be talking about taking their money out of bank A mm -hmm. and putting it in bank B, and that, that they need to be censored for that. They need to shut up. To, to, to calm down, you know, so we don't have bank runs. That's it, basically. So we don't have bank runs. We need to shut everybody up so they don't know that they need to take their money out of one bank, put it in another bank. Right. Um, you know, so, so essentially <clears throat> what we have here is we have a sitting representative of the people of the state of Arizona, that his particular district in Arizona, he's got a, you got, or excuse me, he's a senator. I'm sorry. So he's got the whole state. So you've got a, you've got a guy representing the people of the state of Arizona who literally have the constitutional right to do what they wish with their own money because we are not a collectivist nation yet. He can put his money where he wants, when he wants. And if he wants to consult with other people on social media to talk about whether or not he and they are taking their money out, he wants them to lose their first. So he is, he is attacking the constitutional rights of the people, not just of his state, but really all over the country since he's talking about this in a multitude of ways. He is trying to silence them before they start making plans on how to best protect their money because they don't trust it in the hands of, uh, well, some, some bankers who, quite frankly, have proven they can't be trusted, trusted with it through the questionable ESG type of investing that they have done. Uh, they have leveraged themselves to the hilt. And all of these people are wondering, am I going to be able to keep my money? Am I going to be able to get it back? What, if hap what happens if this happens again? I better take it out now. That is the right of every single American who uses the banking system to yeah. deposit when they want. And, you know, depending on the type of account you invest in, maybe there's a penalty to take it out early if it's in, you know, a CD or something of that nature. But the reality is this guy literally said, 
We control your money. And in order to make sure we maintain control of your money by propping up the banks that we want to prop up, we're going to silence you and not let you talk about it with anybody else where you might actually form a big group that says we got to get our cash out of there and get it out now. That is an astounding thing to say about a sitting United States senator. It really is. And I, you know, I know there's going to be more of this kind of stuff. We have the the government is ganging up. Our own government is ganging up to create censorship boards and, you know, cancelship boards. And they're working with big tech to do it. Europe is setting up the same thing. The United Nations is coming on, setting up the same thing. So is the World Economic Forum setting up these censorship fact-checking boards to crush speech that they do not agree with. When they, when they declare the narrative, if you go against whatever that is, you go against that narrative, you are going to get punished and spanked, period. And this is, you know, this is an example of this. This, this is like a little, uh, you know, like the whack-a-mole game, you know, the, 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 yeah. the gopher pops up over here and you hit it and then it pops up over here. This is just an example of how this is expressed. Those people that are talking about their money, their own money and with their friends and contacts and so on on social media, um, they they are targeted for being silenced Um, for their own money. They're silenced because it's against the narrative. Bank runs, no, 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 bad, bad. Bank runs, bad. Uh, Censorship, good. (laughs) You know, don't complain about your money in the bank, even though you might be in jeopardy of losing your entire life savings in the bank that you're in. If you decide that, if the bank is shaky or it has a really bad rating or something, you say, maybe it's time I should take my money out of that bank and put it in a good bank, you know, and let them protect it so that I don't, you know, go broke and have no retirement. Yeah. And, and, and to be clear, I know you're not suggesting, and neither am I, that we want no. bank runs to happen. You know, obviously, we don't want everybody running and just t- taking everything out and we have a you know a crash like we did in 29. I'm, I'm not suggesting that, but I am suggesting it is up to every individual to decide yes. where they want to keep their money safe. And number two, you sure as hell cannot suggest that, <laughs> that these social media platforms silence the people who are talking about doing so. It is just so egregious. Yes. Um, yes, I hope there's is. some sort of a censure that can be passed against him because the, even, even the suggestion, and you even pointed it out, Patrick, he hasn't even apologized or pulled it back or said, yeah, that was the wrong thing to say. I didn't really consider it. There's a way we're a forgiving nation, but you got to actually, you know, yes. uh, acknowledge your mistake. Yes. Okay. Yes. So we had a negative story. You got a bunch of Stanford law school punks uh, treating a, a federal judge with extraordinary disrespect. We got this one with Mark Kelly saying you can't have a right to your own money and uh, we can't have a right to talk about it. Patrick, let's wrap this episode with a good story. We got some good news. Tell us what happened at Montana State. Well, this is good. I love the I love the headline on this story. It says it says pronoun police lose student wins legal battle with Montana State University over free speech. And again, it's down to the pronoun issue. And you know, the, this uh, a student uh, was chastised and. Um, well, anyway, she won her legal battle against the school, successfully getting the university to lift a no contact order imposed on her after she refused to comply with the sorority's insistence on preferred pronouns. And she said, I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I'm just me. I'm just little old me. And I am what I am. And they, they wanted to kick her out of the whole thing. And she sued him. And she... <laughs> It goes by, goes right back to the uh, part of the other story, the compelled speech thing. It does. She, she, it, they it, were trying to compel her to say something she did not believe, and rather yes. than uh, rather than just accepting it, she filed a lawsuit against the entire university. 
Yes, exactly. They accused her of hate speech because she refused to. How about that? If you stay silent, it's hate speech. Literally, that's because she refused to say what they wanted her to say. They yes. called it hate speech, and then they imposed that no contact order essentially yes. and booted her from the school. So she yes. sued the school. And uh, what what an amazing, beautiful thing when a federal judge follows the Constitution and says, "No, you can't do that. That is a literal violation of our First Amendment yes. rights." And what what's really amazing? I I've never really heard this happen before. I guess. I know what a restraining order is. Like you see that a lot with domestic disputes or whatever, where one person will get a restraining order. Don't mm -hmm. come near me, you know, hundred yards out, can't carry a weapon, all that kind of stuff. But in this case, the university all by itself decided that because she had questioned the sorority's insistence on using personal pronouns, she questioned that. Mm -hmm. They issued a no contact order meaning she couldn't contact anybody, her own friends, you know, that maybe in the Well, in the specifically, university. specifically, the no contact order, according yes. to the article, prohibited her from attending sorority events. So, mm -hmm. yeah, you have to cut off your contact with your friends, but also specific, specifically from entering any building where another sorority student who is LGBT was present. Yeah. So, so it is like a restraining order, which is usually given to protect people from people who can, you know, physically harm them. But in this weird world, um, apparently words or lack of the right words causes so much harm that they issued a virtual restraining order. I know. It's, it's just amazing. Well, she was right to sue, for sure, to, to make an issue out of this. And from what I can tell, I, you know, of course, I don't know this, this lady, this girl personally, but... It, it seemed to me she was not being rebellious at all. She wasn't like being a, a twit about it. She just was voicing her concerns in a calm, collected way. She wasn't being a radical. She wasn't being violent. She wasn't like, you know, throwing things around in the room and cursing uh, anybody else that she didn't like. She just brought it up and, you know, somebody ratted on her and all of a sudden she is like a big federal case at the university and they're coming down on her with everything they got. Um, so I, well, she's even better than that, Patrick. Not only did she not do those things you just described when the university agreed to lift the no contact order as a result of the lawsuit, basically a settlement, she dropped the suit. In my opinion, yes. based on the, you know, the defamation that she suffered, the character yes. assassination yes. and so forth, I would have demanded some recourse, some compensation, if for yes. no other reason to, than to send a message to that university and others, you can't do this to your students. Yes. Make them pay yes. a physical, yes. you know, literal financial yes. price to you. And this isn't to be greedy or get rich, yes. but to make the statement. But instead, she's such a kind person. This proves right. she was not being malicious or hateful. Yes, she, she dropped her lawsuit when she when they uh, when they said, okay, we will lift the no contact order. And they made yeah. a statement to that effect. So yep. um, good person. Agreed. Good Good outcome could have been better only because I would have wanted to make them bleed a little bit, but uh, financially that is, but, uh, yeah. but, but a good outcome and a great way to wrap this. Absolutely. And so, you know, here, here's the lady, young lady that she practiced the stand and deliver that we preach here on. <laughs> she, boy, did she stand and deliver, <laughs> took the, took the whole thing down uh, all by herself. That's really good news. Yeah, she well, did. Hey, listen, anybody listen to this, broadcast today please if you don't belong to citizens for free speech yet go there citizensforfreespeech.org put your name on the line sign up it doesn't cost anything to sign up we have so many tools and so many programs going on absolutely fantastic get involved if you want to make a difference in your community in your life in your neighborhood whatever we have the tools to help you be successful and and bob i just thought up another uh, kind of a, a little tagline 
for people that come to us and say, we don't have a clue what to do. We don't know what's going on, right? And we have the tools to help get there. The, the little phrase that I, I heard it somewhere else, I didn't make it up, but it's zero to hero, zero to hero. That's what we're all about here. Zero to hero. Come to like us it. with your zeros. We'll make you a hero. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you and you know what? There's room for plenty of heroes in every single yes. community. Because oh, that's yes, there it is. It starts is at the community level. We're not asking you to go to Washington, D.C. and change the world by right. marching into the Capitol and talking to your legislator. No, 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 no. You change it right in your own backyard. You learn how to do yes. that. You take our training. And that's how it all starts. So uh, that's it for Episode 59 of Stand and Deliver. I'm Bob France. I'm Patrick Wood. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.